Amen, amen. Well, before I do anything, I know there's a bunch of kids here who are excited for what's next. In fact, my kids were jumping up and down and asking why they're still in service. So I want to dismiss children. And uh, this is for ages uh, uh, three years old up to fifth grade. Uh, there's special classes for each one of them. And if you've got a young one uh, uh, who's uh, below that age, who's uh, two to zero, uh, we have nursery also available for you, uh, which is a great deal because it's free. And we know that that usually doesn't happen. And uh, also, if you're uh, a mom who needs just some time to have a a quiet moment with your child or to feed them. Uh, we also have a mommy and me room uh, right out the doors and to the left that's available to you. So, um, man, we're just so excited and blessed for uh, such a great Sunday, such a great uh, worship time together. And uh, by the way, my name is Greg Peterson. I'm the youth and children's guy usually, so I'm used to um, young ones. And so um, if I talk fast or make inappropriate jokes, I apologize ahead of time. Uh, that's just why I have the job. So, uh, But hopefully, let's pray, and hopefully I will be quiet, and the Lord will speak through me. So will you join me in prayer? God, we thank you so much that you use us, no matter where we're at. God, and whether we've uh, been a Christian for a long time, or uh, we're just getting to know you, God, that you have a plan for us. And God, that there's never a moment that we know all that we need to know about you. There's, there's this call to constantly grow in your name. And so, God, I pray that each person here would be willing to just take that next step in their life, God, and, and to be more like you. So, God, I pray right now that you would help me to be quiet so that you could speak through me. And I pray for each person here that they would be able to quiet that inner monologue in their, their mind and their heart and, and be able to hear you more clearly today. Thanks for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, for uh, those of you who know me, you know I'm a bit of a gamer, and that's uh, not just for video games. Actually, what I, really gets me excited is tabletop games. That's uh, board games. And uh, what's really exciting when I get to play board games is uh, just like I get to experience a whole different world. You get to immerse yourself. And I'm really excited now because my boys are finally getting to the age where I can actually play with them. And uh, the games are... Well, they're not bad. Like, they're finally at the stage where the games are good, uh, and that's really nice. And so it's fun just to see Titus starting to learn strategy and make moves. And, and, and this is not something that I just have created. This actually comes a bit of a legacy from my dad. See, uh, when I was growing up, my uh, dad would, and I would always play board games together, and we'd, we'd kind of, you know, have fun. And then he got remarried, and uh, I got three new sisters. And uh, game night was always just an awesome time. It was, it was a great time of getting together and having fun and, and, uh, and trying to beat each other. But here's the thing is a lot of times when you say a board game or game night, a lot of people have in mind this like picture perfect, like great family moment of great memories. And uh, if you think that's what my family was like, you don't know me. Um, my family was very much more uh, Game of Thrones style. Right? Like if there was a way for you to squeak out a win, you did it. It didn't matter if you needed to cheat. It didn't matter if you needed to like bring up dirt that you had on somebody. Uh, you would constantly use my youngest sister, Sela, who would uh, not attack her mom. And so you would strategize and be like, well, she won't go after her. So if I can just use her to buffer me, blah, blah, blah. And you'd use their weaknesses against them. Anything that you could do to win, you did it. And that's just kind of how we grew up. And any of my youth kids are not surprised, I'm sure. But here's the thing. 
all those, uh, all those moments, uh, like I said, they weren't necessarily the, the most highly fun moments. Uh, I, I know that my sister actually, uh, one of my sisters will not play Clue to this day because of the emotional scars that she still carries from that game. And we still tease her about it because that's how we do. Now, if uh, one of the games that we loved the most and is still epic around my house is the game of Risk. Now, some of you know Risk, some of you don't, but this game, the whole idea, the whole premise of it is basically you are trying to take over the entire world. It's a family-friendly game, right? Uh, and so uh, there's a lot of different strategies to try to win this game. Uh, and if you've never played, buckle up, because this game can easily take you a couple hours, or like we normally did, it was a five- or six-hour game. So it was like, buckle up, we're here, we're eating dinner at the table, don't spill on the board game, otherwise you're banished from the family. Um, and the whole strategy around this was uh, to take up as much land and not overextend yourself. That's a rookie mistake. And so one of the most coveted spots when you play Risk at the beginning is to uh, get Australia. And there's a picture up here, and, and there's this idea that once you get Australia, you're able to kind of hold that little land and accumulate more soldiers, and you kind of put them out the front, and you slowly take over a land and retreat, take over a land, retreat. And the concept, the strategy is called turtling. It's, it's a strategy of coming out and coming back in, right? I'm going to take a little t step and go back in. Now, it's a great strategy, and a lot of times you can make some major victories when you play this game with this. But there's, there's always this point when you play this game and you're, you're using this strategy where you have to take the step out. Once you've built up enough troops, you have to stop turtling and make your move. Because if you don't, then someone else somewhere in the game will build up enough troops and they'll be able to ta overtake you. So you can always just turtle the whole time and you'll come in second place. But in our family, we call that the first loser. Um, so there's no victory there. So... Uh, you want to be able to take over the land as soon as you can. Now, the reason I explain this weird strategy and this weird idea and these weird board games, it's not just like I'm, that's all we're talking about today. It's because I think that many times we can do this exact thing in life. We want to be safe. We want to just stay safe. And so a lot of times in life we can turtle. We can just not want to risk certain uh, you know, things that we have going on. And I've seen this many times when it comes to uh, uh, careers, when all of a sudden you're in a job and you're like, you know, I don't love it, and that's not really what I dreamed about doing for my life, but it's safe, and, you know, I don't hate it, so, yeah, I'll just, I'll just stay here, and I don't really want to risk, you know, losing what I got. And that's valid, right? That's a valid, you know, thing. I've also seen this in relationships where the boyfriend and girlfriend and, and they're talking and they're all happy and I'll talk to one. And they're like, yeah, they're not really like, they're not really helping me grow in Jesus. And, you know, they got some rough edges and not everything's perfect. And, but they won't leave me. And so, you know, I, I'd hate to risk being alone like it's some terrible thing. And so they stay in this bad relationship. But there's also this, this other side and I think maybe the most dangerous is when we turtle with our relationship with Jesus. When we get to a certain level with him and we kind of get to know him and we just want to stay safe and so we just kind of, I'll, I'll be right here, Jesus. I, I don't really want to go that far. I don't know if I want to commit that much. So I just kind of want to stay right here. And this can be devastating to our life because all of a sudden we've become stagnant and there's problems and we can feel very frustrated. And we, many times this is why people will go to a church and they, they feel good for a while, but then all of a sudden they'll go to another church and 
then another church, and then another church, because they're, they're trying to find that moment of happiness, and then it realizes that they don't want to grow past where they're at. Well, as we jump into our scripture today, I want to uh, kind of challenge you guys to look for the turtle strategy in here with one of the disciples. Uh, you'll notice that one of them is doing that exact thing. So uh, if you got your Bibles with you or you want to open your apps, turn to Matthew uh, 17, and we'll be reading 1 through 13. Matthew 17, this is what it says. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them to the high mountains by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then he appeared before, just, uh, just, bef- just then there, there before them, Moses and Elijah was talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, uh, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man have been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him but have done to him everything they wished. And in the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hand. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. So there's a lot going on here. And so I just kind of want to jump right into it. So there's Peter, James, and John. And uh, we don't really know which mountain they were on when this all occurred. But what we think that all the accounts of this kind of make clear is that they were alone. And according to Luke uh, chapter 9, uh, the, as soon as they got to this place, uh, Jesus had kind of walked off to the distance to go pray, which was pretty common. And the disciples had uh, set up a tent and they were ready and they were tired. And so they actually ended up like crashing out, uh, which I think is funny because that's also a theme with the disciples. Um, and so all of a sudden, one of them wakes up enough and he looks over at Jesus and he notices that Jesus is looking a little different. It says that he was uh, transfigured. It says Jesus' face shone like the sun and his garments became white as light. And I think one of the things that the original authors was trying to help the original people to recognize was this idea of what happened to Moses uh, many, many years before, which is when he actually got to hang out with, with God, uh, he would come out of the tent of meeting or he would come down the mountain and his face kind of glowed from just being around uh, God. And it it was uh, a representation that God had spoken to this man and that he was present in him. But here there's something different happening here with Jesus. Uh, the thing that is different is actually that instead of just kind of reflecting the holiness of God, much like the moon, 
Jesus was much more like the Son. It was coming from within him. It was coming out of him. And actually what was happening is the disciples were getting to see a bit of who Jesus truly was. It wasn't reflecting God's presence. It was showing them that his presence is God's, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Then the disciples noticed that there were two more people with him. One was Moses and the other one was Elijah. And these are not just two random people. Moses would have represented the law, uh, which was the balance, the scales in a way of judging people. And Elijah would have represented the spirit of God, who was constantly calling God's people to repent and turn back to God. And so you have these two major pillars of the faith standing there with Jesus. And again, Luke tells us that uh, they were talking about what Jesus had come to do, the fact that what was going to happen next, the next step in the mission that Jesus had, which was to die on the cross for all of our sins. And so they're having this big meeting and they're talking to one another. And I love this moment because it just is so human, right? Have you ever seen anyone get starstruck? Like just completely like, ah. I love it. I, you know, you see it on Ellen. You can see it on so many other spots. I watch it on YouTube. It's great because you, you're just like, there's this person and this is their moment, right? They've been wanting to talk to this person. They're so excited to meet them and they finally meet them and they just like blow it, right? They're just like, blah, 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 not knowing what to say or they're just crying constantly and not knowing what to do. And the other person just awkwardly like side hugging them like, it's okay. Let's take the picture. I need to leave. Uh, it's so funny when, when you get to see this. And uh, I kind of think that's what was happening here with Peter. Because he wakes up, right? He just wakes up all of a sudden. And there are two of the major heroes of their faith right in front of him. Moses and Elijah. I mean, he has grown up hearing about these guys. And he's like, wow, blown away. And there his friend Jesus is right there, right? And so what does he start doing? Luke even says he started talking not knowing what he was going to say. Right? He just starts talking. It's great for us to be here, Jesus. It's great for us to be here. Um, uh, how about you guys stay here and I'll build a house for each one of you. And let's do that. That sounds great. Uh, uh, let's, just, let's, let's all stay here forever, okay? This is great. I just don't want to leave. And I love that as in the midst of him talking, the father kind of steps in and says, this is my son whom I love. With him... I am well pleased. Listen to him. And it's at that moment that they kind of open up their eyes and recognize whose presence they truly are in. It's at that moment that they start to grasp who Jesus truly is. That he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He has been from Genesis and will be to the very end. See, I think the problem is, is Jesus kind of, or I mean, Peter kind of looked at Jesus and saw a great teacher. He saw a friend. He, he said, man, this guy's great. But what the father was trying to help Peter to understand is Jesus is not just one of the greats. And I want to say that he's not one of the greats. And his, his lessons were not just on love. And I think a lot of times we ourselves can fall victim to that. When we, when we open up the Bible or we hear a message or any of that stuff, when we listen to a worship song, sometimes we can just be like, man, that is, that's a really positive message and that's all it is. And we miss out on really understanding who Jesus truly is. And we're going to miss it. We're going to be frustrated. 
and we're never really going to get to grow because we need to understand first off that Jesus' first mission that he came to do for the majority of his life was to help people to understand who he truly was. And it wasn't until the disciples got that that the rest of his plan started to set into motion. It was after that moment, once they understand that he was the Messiah, it was after that moment that he started to talk to them about the fact that he was coming to die on a cross for them. And after that moment, his next last step of the mission was to help us to understand who we are because of that. And so you see that the disciples all of a sudden get it. They fall to their face. And I kind of love what it, has to, what it says here. It says that they, uh, they fell to their, face, their faces and then Jesus comes to them at that moment and puts his hands on their shoulders and says, get up. Don't be afraid. Man. You know, I think a lot of times, at least for myself, I can kind of be like the disciples and I can miss who Jesus really is. You know, in life, I think a lot of times I can kind of stir up a lot of worries and I can freak out about certain things and, and I, I can let a lot of worries kind of over consume my, my mind and, and I think I just need that reminder that the Father gave to the disciples just to stop. But Jesus, what, what about the bills? The bills are all coming in. Uh, and did you notice that if you look at the credit card, it's kind of maxed out? And, and did you notice that, man, the, the kids, they got another thing going on at their school that takes money. That's why they're in a free school <laughs> for free stuff. Like, I, I, we don't have more money. I don't need to buy another pumpkin. Jesus, come on, what? Wait, wait, what happened? A rock hit the windshield? Are you kidding me? And life just kind of mounts up over and over and over again. And your stress levels go up and up and up. And you can just start to feel like, man, Jesus, can I catch a break here? Like, when's, when's that moment? When I hear all these stories, you know, you go online, have hope in Jesus and all that stuff. And, and you're like, man, someone sent him a check for all the money. Oh, it was great. And everything was good. And you're like, Jesus, where's my story like that? Where's my story of the healing? Where's my story? What's going on, God? Am I not? connected? Am I not here with you? Are you not here with me? And our worries can overtake us and consume us. And I think what we need to remember first is exactly this. Stop talking. Just stop the worrying because no one has ever gained anything by worrying. No one has ever added life to themselves by worrying. Now we're going to worry. You talk to my wife, I'm the biggest worrier, right? That's why I got like four locks on my door and alarm system and other things. So don't even try it. (laughs) But even when all of that, our true trust is in God. It has to be rooted in Jesus. So when all of that is happening, we really need to remember Romans 8, 38 through 39 that says that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angel nor demon, neither our fears from today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the skies above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what we need to remember. 
Now, I want to be clear. Doesn't mean that everything's going to be peachy great, right? Not everything's going to be easy after this moment. You're still going to have hard times. It's not like all of a sudden you're like, I trust you, Jesus, with my worries, and now the check comes in, or the, the, the disease goes away, or your kid starts listening and making right choices. It doesn't instantly happen like that. I mean, it might, and if it does, please share with us. We need some testimonies. But most of the time it doesn't. But all of a sudden, you'll notice that you start to grow in Jesus as you trust him with your worries. You'll grow with him, and all of a sudden, you'll notice that you're having wisdom that you didn't have before. You have hope that you didn't know before, and your ability to take on more stuff is just crazy big. That's the thing, is that he will give you wisdom and community to help you through those things. You're not alone. You don't know how precious community is until you don't got it. Until all of a sudden you're looking around and you're like, my family's all done with me. Who do I go to? What's amazing is God never pushes you away. He's always there for you. And he has a bunch of families there to love on you. That's why I love Sunrise Community Church. This is a big family that is wanting to love each other. And yeah, we can't fix all of each other's problems like we wish we could, but we'll be there with you. We'll care for you. We'll stand with you. The disciples fall to their face, and I really love how the English Standard Version says this. It says, uh, and when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Really driving home the point, it was Jesus only there. All that other stuff disappears. It's only Jesus who we truly need. Now, did you guys catch the turtling? Some of you guys forgot to, to be looking for it, right? It's okay. There's a bunch of grace here at sunrise. <laughs> Peter recognized that he was in a place of an amazing, like it just was amazing. He was getting a taste of what heaven was going to be like. He got to see Jesus in his glory. He got to see his uh, two amazing heroes of the faith right in front of him. And he was like, man, I I just want to stay here. Like, why would I go anywhere else? This is amazing. And I could already see it kind of playing out in his head. Like, uh, at least this is, this is why it takes me so long to read through the Bible is because then I'll have these side moments that I think things through. Uh, and so I just imagine Peter being like, okay, yeah, we, we, gotta, we gotta stay here. This is amazing. We're not leaving. All right, Jesus, um, uh, or Moses, actually, can you hit that rock over there and get us some water? Jesus, if you don't mind, like making a little bit into wine, that'd be great. Uh, Moses, call down some manna and we'll just get some bread going. And Elijah, I remember you were really good at fires. So uh, if you could just start a campfire, that'd be great. I'll build the houses and we're set. Like, what else do we need? Food, water, drinks, like hanging out. Jesus, this sounds great. Let's just do this forever. But here's the thing. The problem is is that Jesus didn't just come for Peter to have a moment with God. Jesus came, and this is what John 3.15 says, Jesus came that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Jesus came for everybody. Jesus came for everybody. And here's the thing that Peter didn't know at that moment, is that if Peter stays on the mountain, there's no Acts 2 in his life. I'm sure God would have moved through someone else. But that was supposed to be for Peter. 
And so if he stays on the mountain, he never gets to start the church, which is what happens in Acts 2, where he stands up and gives this amazing sermon that kind of starts the Christian movement, our church that is still benefiting from that sermon today. And, and, and so he misses that opportunity. And, and if he stays on the mountain, then he doesn't get to be a part of Acts 10, which is when uh, God gave Peter the vision to go to the Gentiles. And he kind of announced to everybody that the Gentiles, everyone who wasn't Jewish, me, was a part of his kingdom now, was adopted into his family. Peter got to be a part of that. And Peter's life is crazy. It's just constantly someone who is just going after Jesus and, and God is doing so many big, amazing things with his life. But here's the thing. He had to risk coming down the mountain. He had to risk giving up that moment. Peter could have stayed, like, I'll stay here. This is where God was. It's very common, actually, for someone to just want to stay where they had this experience with God. I just want to stay here. That's good. But here, here's the thing. The same goes for us. See, each one of you who proclaim you know Jesus, God has worked in your life, and he has work for you to do. But there's many times that we want to just stay where we're comfortable. We want to stay where we've had that moment with God. And so we just want to stay right here in our, our safe little zone, and, and I don't really want to go out of it because this is where God speaks to me. He speaks through, to me through that version of the Bible. He speaks to, to me with those songs. He speaks to me through that pastor. He, he, this is how he speaks to me. But here's the thing. God wants to speak to you in all the ways. It's not through just one voice, not through one song. He's constantly talking with us. I think sometimes we limit him to think that there's only one channel that he's going to talk to you. He's, he's going to talk to you in every way possible. All of creation, the, the Bible says, speaks of his glory. He's not quiet. Just many times we're too unwilling to hear him. So here's the thing. Where are you wanting to just stay in your comfort zone? Where are you unwilling to take that step out in your life? God wants you to grow, but here's the thing. The only way you grow is by taking the risk to step out of the comfort zone, to step off the mountain. Where can you take that step out in your life? Maybe it's, maybe it's just simply being there for your kids and trusting, trusting God with your worries. Maybe that's it today. It's simply handing over your worries to God and saying, I just need you to take this from me. And you'll be surprised the kind of peace that you get as you truly let that go to him. And that's where you're going to grow today. For other of you, maybe it's uh, inviting someone to church. Maybe that's a neighbor. Maybe that's, that's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. Oh, I know. That's hard. But it's willing to risk that awkward conversation that you're going to have with somebody to simply just ask them, can I pray for you? And whether you pray for them on the spot or you just take the information and go back to your office or wherever and pray for them, that's okay. It doesn't, there's not like a defined way that you have to do this. But simply being willing to ask somebody, I'm going to pray. I'm, do you need any prayer? What if all of a sudden all the waitresses in Tulare started getting prayed for that way? Hey, we're about to bless the food. Can you need anything for, to, you know, any prayer? Or the checkers, you know, at, at the checkout line? I mean, step to the side. Don't be rude, right? Like, I know there's a long line. Let's just have a conversation for five minutes. Like, no, don't be that people. 
But just simply ask, hey, I'm going to be praying when I get back to the car. Is there anything that you need prayer for? Maybe it's the person that's cutting your hair or someone like that. But just simply, whatever it is, and the Holy Spirit will tell you, it's that idea that pops in your head that makes your heart thump a little bit harder that says, oh, I don't know about that, God. I don't think I want to do that. Let's just, I'm just going to ignore you for the next five minutes and then we're just going to, then we'll, you'll, I'll repent and it'll be better. I've done it many times. I'm speaking from experience. But here's the thing. God does so much through a conversation. God can do so much through a friendship, through a relationship. And so he, he, he's going to call you to grow into that. And here's the other thing. I, I, this is just at least my experience. Is that that feeling of uncomfortable, the thing that gets you your heart pounding, really is that re- realization that you don't have the strength, you don't have the wisdom, you don't have what it takes. But growing in Christ normally starts with relying on him to be your strength. That's usually where it starts. They're saying, God, if you don't give me the right words, I'm going to be like those people on on TV that need the star. Just have a, 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 pray? Okay, I don't know what to say. But when you, all of a sudden you, you open up your mouth and, and he takes over, which I can tell you honestly, if I ever make sense while I'm up here, is him. Like if you talk to me off stage, it never is good. So I apologize for awkward conversations. But God takes over and he can do so much with someone who is willing to take that step for him. So maybe today, or this week, you can look at your life and say, I will grow in this way. I'll, I'll, I'll take a step out and I'll grow by having that conversation, by loving that person, by actually asking that coworker who looks like they're down what's going on instead of just ignoring them and hoping someone else does it. Maybe that's how you're going to grow today. Maybe you think that, hey, you know what, I, I, I don't know all the answers, so I don't know if I can actually do this. Like, I, I feel like I need more training. And I think that's why the end of the, these verses is so important. We know they, they have this experience, they're risking it by following Jesus down the mountain, and all of a sudden he says, don't tell anyone what you just saw until Jesus has raised, that, until I've raised from the dead. And, and so then they, they have questions, right? They say, well, you know, why do the, the teachers of the law, they say Elijah is supposed to come before this, What's up with that? And he turns to them and he answers their question. But he didn't answer their question on the mountain. He answered the question as they were walking down it. Listen, there, there's a lot of answers to be had, and there's plenty of information that you can get. But it takes following him first and trusting him with your life and walking after him and saying, I'm willing to follow you even when I don't know things. And guess what? Along the way, you're going to get a lot of those answers. When I started doing this, uh, oh man, 13 years ago, following Jesus, I had a long list of questions. And then I got answers and I had more questions. And I got answers and I had more questions. I'm in seminary and I still have more questions. Uh, you know, and, and I go to class and then all I get is more questions. And you're like, is there an answer? And they're like, yes, Jesus. And you're like, okay, yeah, I, I guess that works. But the reality is the answers will only get you so far, but your faith and trust in Jesus will get you all the way there. So maybe it's not about having all the answers. Maybe growing in Christ simply just means 
that your character and your actions look more like Jesus today than they did yesterday. I want to say that again. Growing in Christ means that your character and your actions look more like Jesus today than they did yesterday. Let's make that the goal of our growth. I want to pray for you guys. God, we thank you that you baby step us to our growth, God. And I pray that each person here today would just uh, feel that challenge on their heart for whatever you're calling them to do, whatever their next step is, God, whether it's a conversation with somebody or if it's simply just walking around their neighborhood uh, praying for people, God, or or if it's uh, just simply sending out uh, blessings to people through text messages or phone calls. Whatever it is, God, whatever that next step is for each one of us, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would prompt us to do that and then give us the courage to do that as well. I thank you that every time we grow, it's because you're working in our hearts, God, and you're doing a great work in our lives and through our lives. So we love you and we trust you for everything that you're doing. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.